talk about current events, religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be. Welcome back, everybody, and we are going back to the Ten Commandments this week for part two, since we only covered, like, the first and part of one the and second a half. one. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't get very far. We're going to have to really buckle down this time and stay focused. I'm just going to do my best to push through it. <sighs> I, I I think we can, we can cover some ground, though. Um, we mm-hmm. did talk a lot about the Ten Commandments last week, and not so much... Uh, you know, talking through them, uh, we were just kind of, uh, it was mm. a lot of pre-talk, so, but now that we're started, I think maybe we can, we can kind of focus in a little bit. Where, mm-hmm. where do you want to pick up? We'll just, uh, we'll, uh, we'll start from the top, man, and then we'll, we'll get okay. the second one again and then try to trek through these guys. Again, okay, so, zero, zero prep yeah. for me this time, so uh, it's just going to be totally off the top of my head. I don't think you're going to need it. <laughs> All right, so uh, chapter 20, verse 1, and God spoke all these words. So <laughs> I'm sure you might have a problem with that right there. Um, uh, uh, contention. Anyway, a- anyway, I'm the Lord your God, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then he says, you shall have no other gods before me. There's a footnote there. Before could be besides. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or anything on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Mm. Okay, there's a lot. Yeah. A lot going on. Um, let's just break it down verse by verse. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So above, um, beneath, earth, uh, heaven, the the heaven above, the earth beneath, and the waters below. I mean, I'm fine with that. Um, wait, is he talking about like an idol? Yes, I think okay. this is probably the the way that that is phrased. It kind of does this like elemental. And um, dimensional juxtaposition thing, heaven above, earth beneath, waters below. Um, this is probably like a direct kind of like jab at whatever um, position that, that the uh, scribes that wrote this stuff down. Um, which maybe it come fr- came from an older sc- source, but it's highly likely 
that these texts, I don't even know why. I think there's some references. I can't remember where they're at, but um, that these texts were scribed at the point where they were in exile uh, in Babylon. So I, I'm sure this has like a thing to do with that. Um, you know what's interesting about it? It kind of makes me think of like the Hermetic tradition. Like I don't know if you've ever seen anything about that, but they say there's a phrase in the um, the alchemical Hermetic tradition: "As above, so below." It kind of even sounds like maybe it's a um, a jab at like the esoteric groups at the time maybe um i have some theories like around the time this is a new king james mm-hmm. that i'm reading no it's not it's niv yeah i'm reading I it, I had it on i thought i had a new king james here you can switch <laughs> I, i'm gonna switch but um heaven above he still does it on the uh the king james as well i have a i have some like um inklings that may there might have been some kind of esoteric meanings in the bible whether it was uh placed there by um esoteric um jewish israelite sects or if it was placed there by in the time of king james with um the people that were scribing for him in 1611 uh alchemy kind of had its rebirth at that time like uh that's uh a a big a big thing there like the alchemical tradition and the uh religious ideas and philosophies kind of were at the forefront so i don't know that's an interesting thing to me i don't know why that it doesn't really say anything I, i like like it could just be a direct jab at yeah, you know, don't uh, you know what it almost sounds like? And this seems kind of contradictory with other passages of the Bible. Don't make art. <laughs> well, um, like I, I just switched over to uh, the New Living Translation, where it it says, "You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind, or an image of anything in the heavens, or on the earth, or in the sea." Which, yeah, so don't draw pictures of animals or carve pictures of animals. Why not? And it's it's mainly because, well, because the the power that um, that the iconography has, you know, if you look at ancient Egypt and and I mean, all language probably developed mostly out of symbol, and uh, you know, it's likely that the the in, in the view of um the monotheists wherever you find them whether you find them in ancient judaism uh, or or uh, a later tradition they think that's the problem protestants mm-hmm. believe that's the problem um you, this stuff goes really well uh hand in hand with uh you know what martin luther and a lot of what we have in this king james version comes from people like Luther and 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 older you know older translations prior mm-hmm. um so it 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 really wants to line up with the Protestant view like King James uh banned Catholicism and uh c- Catholics could be killed uh November 
I don't know if anybody knows this, but uh, November fifth is a uh, an actually a holiday in England, and it was called it was uh, the Gunpowder Treason. And there was a man named Guy Fox who uh, tried to blow up Parliament. Hmm. Um, he was uh, he was a Catholic, and um, he was you know consp- he built, conspired against the throne and got killed in the process. And we know we all know what Guy Fox. Uh, um, kind of has inspired between the uh, graphic novels of V for Vendetta and yeah. the anonymous movement, right? Um, but it, it, I digress. But I mean, uh, you kind of do make a point. Um, iconography and and just having images of figures um, can be quite powerful. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. movements are started with a leader or a symbol uh, of either an idea or a figure or something. Um, And then, I mean, if you look at the verse, it's followed immediately, you know, by you must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. So it's like, it's a direct threat to have any kind of other figure that could inspire or lead you. So it's almost Mm. like a, a position of insecurity. Um, or at least that's kind yeah. of how it comes off to me. It's a very Calvinist passage. I'm going to tell you, it's very <laughs> reformed Baptist theology passage. The end, uh, the other interesting part I find there, I mean, we can talk about jealousy. Uh, uh, there's some, there's some ideas about jealousy where uh, jealousy is tried to be, people try to spin jealousy as a positive thing. Mm. Um, and that's, I, I kind of put that in the eye of the beholder. Uh, I think that there may be a context for jealousy. Um, I, I, you know, I'm jealous of my kids. Like I would be, I'd be jealous of if I saw my kids um, going down a path in their life that I know might cause a lot of harm and heartache to them. I would be jealous over that situation and I'd probably, um, you know, do everything I can to stop it uh, within reason. You know, all of this is context, but, yeah. uh, you could, if you want to pick on the jealousy thing, it's there. Well, I mean, um, to me, generally the context of jealous, jealousy would be, you know, that of insecurity, mm-hmm. um, you know, feeling like you don't have absolute um power over or control of or devotion from somebody uh that's generally mm-hmm. kind of how jealousy comes off is you know just yeah. not being happy about not having that absolute devotion which is kind mm-hmm. of what it's insinuating in the verse yeah it's uh yeah that causes a lot of problems for an all powerful omnipotent god you know i mean uh, personally i feel like if if something, if you're like, if you have competing ideas and you're terrified that your idea won't stand up to scrutiny, it's because you're insecure <laughs> that your idea isn't good enough. Um, if right. you're a person in a relationship and you're, you're jealous of, you know, your, uh, your partner's attention, it's because you're afraid that you're not going to be able to compete with other options. But when you have, you know, security in uh, in a healthy relationship, somebody will have kind of a degree of confidence based on, you know, their trust with another mm-hmm. person and 
I, I think that that usually plays out in, you know, the, the context or in the way such as that if you're confident that, you know, in who you are and that you are worthy and, um, you know, people appreciating you as valid, then you're not going to be so insecure and jealous. Um, and that tends to be a lot more attractive to other people. Nobody really likes to be possessed, um, you know, or mm. nobody really likes possessive people. Um, personally for myself, I'm, I'm fairly confident in who I am. You know, if, if somebody wants to have a relationship with me, then they're certainly free to it. And I'm, mm. if, if they don't want to, then don't really feel like they should be obligated to. Um, right. But that's, that's a very different, more humble <laughs> position to be in, uh, where mm. maybe if you're, you know, trying to be a dictator over people, then maybe that's not your mindset. Maybe I have a problem with the very concept of, of a god being a dictator. It's very, it, it definitely lays out that way. And um, I mean, if he really I is think, so great, then why is he so insecure? I mean, can't he just demonstrate how great he is and people are just going to naturally be attracted to that? Yeah, I, here, here's what I think's go, really going on here. And it's really the context, I guess, that would make this make sense. Okay, so the the if you read it allegorically or you read it as um almost like a fable where you would have a moral to this story mm-hmm. the moral is they come out of Egypt and then God wants them to walk by faith and he says, hey follow me follow me by faith and he gives them a cloud it's like a pillar of fire and smoke I, I don't know that uh, it's super, it's kind of like science fiction based sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're told to follow and then they complain and God deals with their complaints and then they complain some more and he deals with their complaints more. And then they say, you know, they start having, um, uh, issues within their community as they're traveling as they would. I mean, could you imagine a mass amount of people? Yeah. Uh, well, kind of looks like, uh, maybe a, a group of refugees, you know, <laughs> looking for a place to be that's safe, um, where they're not enslaved to the society and the uh, the issues. Which totally doesn't of, happen around today. Them. That that's all way yeah. in the past. That's totally not relevant now. Hmm. It, may, it seems as if maybe God is trying to tell the, uh, a story to a lot of people on how immigrants should be treated and how uh, well, immigrants should treat others. Kind of going back to your point, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, if you're taking it allegorically, uh, and he's telling them just to follow by faith, is that not le- kind of feeding into a, a greater narrative of not using your own ability to think and reason critically and just trusting like think not on your own understanding or what whatever the lean not on your own understanding um kind of a, a mentality uh, like you shouldn't really criticize this just trust mm-hmm. yeah, i think that could be it um to me that kind of what sounds this suspicious. is saying <laughs> yeah well what this is saying is is 
hey, they couldn't settle things amongst themselves anarchistically. Okay. So they said, okay, they looked at Moses and they said, well, we don't like the way you're doing this democracy thing. Go get a covenant from God and, and he will do what Pharaoh did. So what this is doing is this is Israel said, hey, go get us laws. We, right. Instead of learning how to govern ourselves and treat our neighbors with respect and love and kindness and compassion, go get these laws. And then everybody has to follow the rules. It can just be a rule-following thing. I don't have to have a better attitude. I don't have to have empathy. So, um, And then of- it's like, okay, well, this is what you're going to get if you ask for um, earthly rule, right. earthly sought, earthly typed government. The way I come at the Bible, um, from a v- like the more now more than ever, I look at the Bible as kind of this anarchist, um, narrative of like earthly kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And the way that the earth does government just fucks everything up. Well, but this is not just how, <laughs> this isn't just how earth does governments. This is how God is doing a form of government, right? Yeah. I mean, well, this, this is, is straight up authoritarianism. Um, right. I mean, it, it's right. Not, and it and is. It, right. And that, to me, that, I mean, this story would really appeal to somebody who kind of leans in an authoritarian direction. Um, where me, it can definitely be used in a context of, uh, you know, hey, I can control people, <laughs> right? Uh, where you know, just kind of me being more of an egalitarian mindset. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of democracy and you know not having oppression by you know a few powerful leaders. Um, just everything about this feels unnatural and not good. Uh, just as even just reading through it, it just feels bad. Um, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. going through it because well, it's a very authoritarian mindset. Let's look at it this way too. For instance, there are a lot of passages where it talks about nature being, um, being like a sign of God's uh, of of God's power, His greatness, a sign of who He is. I mean, if you read through, there are account. There's parts of the Bible that uh, justify astronomy and astrology. Which I mean, growing up Baptist, you were probably told not to read the horoscopes. Um, I, I'm still told that, but for very different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not because hey, they're magic, but. Precisely because they're not. (laughs) Did you see, there's a, gosh, what is that documentary? There's this documentary on Netflix about this, uh, this, uh, um, astrologer from this like psychic astrologer from Cuba. Mm -hmm. And he became, he was like super queer. He was like asexual queer. And he, he just absolutely was fun- fabulous. He's like the most fabulous man you've ever seen. <laughs> and everybody loved him. He became this huge sensation. And it was just like, it's kind of, and that's the thing about like, I mean, astrology anciently 
definitely wasn't like that. They looked at like, they would look at the stars, the position in they're in, and then they would do something to cause themselves to trip out. And then they would look at the king and then be like, there's going to be an assassination attempt in a, in a week from now on your life. You know, that that's mm-hmm. the way it was in ancient culture. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, Greek papyri and stuff, that's, that's what it's all like. You know, it's very specific. Um, but the, uh, it's very strange how today it's more of like, uh, a power of positive thinking, um, trying to get you to look if, if they, if the writer of an astral, uh, uh, horoscope has a vibe of like a good or a bad feeling, they can try to write something down. You know, it's all vague kind of like posi manifestation stuff. Yeah. And, and that can be helpful to people in a way, but I don't know. I think, and like I said, I'm, I'm very much dabbling with the idea of like spirituality outside of the the norms of like the the bible or any specific text and okay well what are the practices and how can the practices be helpful here's another way to look at this god wants us to look at the creation and worship him whereas instead what we do is we look at the creation and we worship it and so we make idols And um, the interesting thing about this, and what I really think it comes down to, is this. You have to remember these passages within the context of um, one very specific thing that is kind of batshit crazy to the whole deal. And that is the Nephilim. The, uh, the, the, The fallen ones that angels that were upon the earth okay Hmm. um you if you look at it from a context of that uh here's another thing that term serpent uh if you do hebrew word studies on that term it essentially comes out pretty much the same thing as an angel Hmm. and so the idea is there might have been some kind of angelic being that looked like serpents. I mean, those two words are, I'm pretty sure, almost always are not like you can use one or the other in any context of uh, the Old Testament. Like uh, uh, serpent symbols were, again, an, were angel symbols. Again, taking that story, uh, the creation Genesis story as allegory, right? Because depending on who's listening that we might be on the same page as to whether um you know literally you know the universe was created 10,000 years ago which we can prove scientifically that it wasn't um which to me if it's an allegorical story then that makes a lot more sense um that it's trying to teach a lesson and have a narrative behind it um everything always points backward or forward like the, the Bible is written in a context where they're, they either want you to look backward and remember something, or they want you to look forward and hope for something. At least the way, that's the way I perceive the Bible. Because if you look backward with this, 
you you see, okay, the fallen angels. If you read other books like the Book of Enoch, which is a um, a uh, Gnostic text, something yeah. that wasn't included in the um, in the, our Bible that we have today, but it was widely read in ancient Jewish culture, and uh, it it's quoted. Um, in multiple places throughout the Bible. A lot of people don't know that, but mm. there are passages where um, it's literally written. I mean, we've got, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, we might have, yeah, I'm pretty sure we do. I think, I'm pretty sure there were, uh, the, the book of Enoch might have been in the Dead Sea Scrolls. I might have to look that up to be sure, but I think it might be one of our older Jewish texts that we even have, uh, uh, you know, in antiquity. Hmm. I, I could be wrong on that. I know the first time we discovered Book of Enoch was Nag, Nag Hammadi, was the, uh, the, what the texts were called, the Nag Hammadi texts. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of interesting stuff in there, not just um, Jewish or Christian text, but uh, you know, uh, alchemical texts and stuff that intermingled Roman and Greek. Uh, ideas of you know fables into Christian fables and Jewish fables. It's really fascinating stuff. Hmm. Um, so I mean, I don't know where to go from there. Uh, well, uh, you know, the next to, part's just as weird. Yeah. I, well, I kind of wanted to pull you back to something that you kind of alluded to, and I I don't know if if it's if it's in fact your opinion or not, or whether you could really go this far. <laughs> um, but you talked about you know um, giving people the kind of government that they wanted. Do you feel like mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments is kind of God's way of showing people, you know, what authoritarianism is like, and in a sense, to kind of teach them a lesson? Mm-hmm. I, I think it can be that, and I think it's also, um, have you ever been in like a mob? Like, have you ever been in a situation where, like, people get, uh, I get, I'm literally to say a mosh pit. Is like that, <laughs> yeah. But, they're not uh, really. A you're mob. in a you're in a place where people kind of lose control, control of themselves, right. and I I mean I've not had any major mob events like that where large groups of people go nuts. Probably the closest thing would be um, in uh, on a Fourth of July. I was in Memphis, uh, right on the river, uh, to watch the fireworks show, which was turns out a bad idea. Um, people were shooting fireworks right into the crowd and catching stuff on fire and the fire truck couldn't even yeah, get to it because yeah. people were just standing in front of it. But like this big fight broke out and like these people, um, like the crowd kind of just started to just lose control and a bunch of people, including us, tried to leave and we got trapped in a parking garage for an hour. Um, that was pretty chaotic. Um, maybe not a full on mob, but maybe that's the closest that I've personally, you know, actually experienced. The mo the more I read on stuff like that, where people like a mob gets together and people get riled up, mm-hmm. like it can turn crazy and right. nasty really quick. And um, another I that- example I would use for that would be Hitler, because yeah. uh, you can't just give Hitler all the credit. I no, mean, the no, dude yeah. was a sad sap of a man, and he, he had, you know, well, he had a huge space of support. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it wasn't. I mean, he wasn't, he didn't just put himself in control. 
um, right. people put him there. Uh, and yeah, it, it was just kind of a, like you're saying, you know, you have enough people start to buy into an idea and feed off of each other and that can grow and um, gradually, you know, and you're talking about mobs. Um, I mean, s- some degree of that has happened in our civil rights uh, BLM protests. Uh, maybe yeah. not. What's actually pretty astonishing to me is the scale of those protests. Um, I mean, they've, it's yeah. been the largest civil rights movement in our country's history mm-hmm. and every kind of protest is going to have some percentage of people that are going to do um, some kind of damage or, you know, some sort of violence will break out. But um, proportionally, it's actually been a very small percentage of the uh, people yeah. who have been protesting who have actually turned violent. In fact, there's been a lot of yeah. opposition from protesters, but um, that, yeah, and that's th- that really that the reality of it. Yeah. Right. Like people, you, people take, okay, I mean, 10 uh, fights or altercations out of, you know, tens of thousands of people. Right. Like it's, that's pretty um, concealed, you know, right. compared to, I mean, have you ever been to like? Uh, uh, I mean, I've a, seen like, like a juggalo soccer. concert or a, yeah, no. soccer tournament. Soccer tournaments <laughs> where like people just go nuts when their team loses and they like destroy everything. Yeah. And people oh, yeah, die. People, yeah, like okay, people. That's a great freaking point, and maybe we should talk about this on another episode. But okay, people are raising hell about BLM riots, right? Mm-hmm. Sports riots are a common thing. It's common. Yeah. I mean, like, sports riots are a common thing, man. I, I, I hear about it all the time from uh, even up in Toronto. I love Canada. I don't want to talk trash. But, <laughs> like, yeah, people, people get seriously pissed about their sports, man. Yeah. It has power over the mind. I well, don't know basic how. tribalism instinct yeah. that we have as yes. humans. And it's very, that is very attached to the same parts of our mind that attach to political and really anything, anything of preference. Okay. And I think that's really what this is trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. When you start to, and you can look at it this way. If you look at like ancient cultures, the tribes are very surrounded by, um, the God and, um, the ideas about the God. So you've got, you right. know, people who worship Poseidon or gods that date further back than him. Competing and tribes they make, with their own gods. Yeah. And it's, it's literally maybe culture building or, um, it's the, it's the thing of, let's say it this way, creating art in a context where you are trying to devalue something or devalue someone. Mm. I like, I'm going to make, you know, and it's very wrapped up in this like nation state thing. Like if you look at like the stuff Hitler did, it was very, um, I found it really profound because I I listened to like a six hour long, um, episode of a podcast about Hitler and the occult connections to Hitler. Are we going to do a six hour episode today? Oh God, no. But no, but it was, it's so profound how, um, the, the, the propaganda they used, 
Yeah. Because it was a very much a back to the roots of our country, hmm. back to our, our true values. It was a heritage thing. There's something deeply profound about a person's heritage. Make Germany great Where again. they come from. Yeah. Hmm. Oops. It, that's kind of what it seems like. And the scary thing about it was all the men that did dealt with this propaganda were extreme occultists. Yeah. They were extreme. If there's any argument for the argument of magic and it being real, I would argue it's Nazi Germany <laughs> because <laughs> those people like it's like something flipped in their brain. I mean, psychology isn't necessarily magic but it can kind of seem i mean it's as mysterious a lot of times i would argue that the things that we can do um when we know the human brain and how how to push it push and prod and pull and yank on it and do what we want i would argue that's what magic uh was um because the power of suggestion is a powerful thing and if we can like intimidate people into things um fear is a big driver and so i don't know maybe maybe this is just uh egyptian magic that (laughs) moses is doing to the people that's another argument i've i've got is like i think moses might just be like using what he had in his back pocket from egypt so you think that this was kind of a um uh a tactic to gain structure? Possibly. I, I think more than anything, it's a commentary on um, the idolatry that they considered going on around them at the time of the scribes, uh, a, a narrative that points to a moral where it's like, oh, if you look at the story prior, it's gonna, uh, it shows you that they worshiped these uh, fallen beings and uh the ways of these fallen beings i would argue that um patriarchy like hierarchical systems mm-hmm. and i mean people would argue against this because there's a lot of that in the bible there's a lot yeah. of that in ancient text yep. but i would argue that hierarchical systems if they came from anything from a literalistic point of view um and i could i i mean you could debate this otherwise And I'm not going to get into the ancient alien stuff, but I believe that the hierarchical systems, biblically, they probably came from these fallen angels, these fallen beings. Because what we're talking about is we're talking about pagan gods. It's all based on Sumerian text that predates anything we have by thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, It all points back to the gods came, they taught us shit, and then they made these guys kings. And or, then those were the gods after that. Alternatively, from the atheistic perspective, if men created the concept of, of gods and they invented them, um, then that idea ultimately comes from people. Um, patriarchy mm-hmm. comes from people, which I've, I've heard some really good arguments um in favor of the idea that a lot of that started around uh the time of agriculture um you know, when we became ab- agricultural 
uh, after we were hunter-gatherers, because we do have some evidence that hunter-gatherer tribes um, were far more egalitarian, and they existed Mm -hmm. in smaller groups um, of around, you know, up to 300 or so, um, which is kind of how many people were evolved to be able to be social with at a time. Um, Well... Yeah, and I would argue even some agricultural groups probably were more egalitarian than people think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the, fact, we the, even still have some, uh, there are still some groups that are largely uninterfered with um, by, uh, you know, modernity. They're, they're, they're very egalitarian and have, you know, very different views uh, that seem to line up more accurately with the way that humans evolved um, than, you know, the way that our society functions now, uh, post agriculturalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, maybe it just was a, a, a cultural shift that happened that kind of caused a lot of that thinking. It, it could be that I, I think a lot of it has to, I, to me, what it comes down to is I think the idea of making stuff up, uh, wasn't what happened. I think it's likely that it comes up to um, exact. It comes up to exaggeration. It comes up to um, what fear does to the mind. I mean, imagine like okay. I mean, my kids have nightmares of uh, stuff you wouldn't think they'd have nightmares about. You know, like I have nightmares (laughs) about things I wouldn't have nightmares about. I have seen, um, I've had experiences where I've had sleep paralysis and a nightmare at the same time and you're conscious, but you can't move and it's like a full on hallucination. And I saw a, um, apparition that has been commonly seen amongst sleep paralysis people or people who suffered from sleep paralysis for hundreds of years all mm-hmm. over the world, same apparition. And I, I, I think there could be very well be vi- very scientific explanations for these things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, but I think those things allude to um, some really wild stuff that we are yet to grasp about reality and quantum physics and and things of that sort because it's just it's strange some of the weird coincidental stuff that that can happen but we got to move forward Yeah, i was gonna say uh (laughs) we're we're on what two still yes let's run through that last little statement um (laughs) he visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me Showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Wow. Uh, do what I say. Uh, if you don't, I'm gonna punish your kids, kids, hurt kids. you and your kids. Now, this there's some interesting stuff here. Um, there are people that say this is consequential. This is like consequentialism. It's not actually God punishing, but it's just uh, language that's used in that context because everything within those cultures was. Uh, you know, hierarchical mm-hmm. kingdom king language. If a king didn't talk like this, people wouldn't follow him. I yeah. guess. Um, 
Now, there's a passage in the New Testament where somebody asks Jesus, there's a man who's born blind. Somebody says, hey, wh- whose sin was it? Was it his sin or his parents' sin that made him blind? Right. And he said, it wasn't any of them. And then he says something crazier. He says, it's that the glory of God might be uh, um, uh, uh, revealed. And then he heals yeah. the man. Which um, is <sighs> problematic. If, well, if there's, there can be a lot of different things involved with a lot of different stuff. And my argument would be this. I think, and th- this is the theory I'm going on, if Jesus was a real person, I find it very likely that Jesus knew a lot more than we let on to. And that I'm saying that I think Jesus might have been... um taught some things by other uh, mystical spiritual traditions because there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff that predates Christianity that's all over Christianity and, and specifically like Hinduism stuff in Hindu texts stuff in uh, Buddhist texts again we also kind of have to think in terms of from the perspective of the writers you know, they had a certain narrative that they were pushing forward um, mm-hmm. in their storytelling. So, uh, I mean, a lot of this could just kind of be um, in their minds, you know, how, how, they're, how they're translating what happened. Yes. Uh, the other thing I will argue is, is I believe completely, and this is controversial as hell and people will get mad, um, I believe completely that the Bible, there may be things... Um, that are for everyone, but I think the Bible's written esoterically uh, as well. I think it's kind of like they, the writers probably thought, dumb people need this, some semi-dumb people need this, and then the really smart people have to find the stuff esoterically. <laughs> and because there's a big argument that when D- Moses comes... Down the uh, when Moses went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, he also received an oral tradition, and this is the the ideas of what's called uh, Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he received an oral tradition, and the an oral tradition teaches you how to properly read the Bible. I don't know a lot about that. I, I have to do more research. <laughs> but anyway, and the. Interesting thing is the oral tradition probably lines up a lot more with uh, um, the ancient mystery di- traditions of right. Rome, Greece, and then even further back to Egypt. And this is this so is all so, so much more complicated than Satanism. I'm glad I'm a Satanist. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you we've got. I mean, this go, the history of this goes far beyond just the English Bible that we have. Oh, yeah. yeah. The history of it goes back to all of the ancient literature that predates this because it's it's interwoven and intermingled with all of this stuff because, uh, I mean, the people who are writing this stuff for King James, I guarantee you some of them were probably not so Protestant, but they were trying to be real sneaky about how they translated stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I truly believe that the Bible does have esoteric hidden messages in it. Hmm. 
not about um, when the end of the world is going to be. It's not Bible code from the 1990s. <laughs> but I do think that it's not like prophecies and stuff. It's ancient hidden knowledge that could only be given to the esoterics when they're ready and when their minds are prepared to, uh, to know how to keep the knowledge alive without exposing it to the wrong person and then everybody getting killed. You can see what I'm saying? Like esoteric traditions exist because big government likes to kill people. And so they had to develop secret societies to try to deal with that. And a lot of people are going to have a hard time with that one too. Because a lot of like, I love like conspiracy secret society stuff, Freemasons, Rosicrucians, all that stuff. I love it. The thing is, is there everybody who's into that stuff? Most of them look at all those guys like the bad guys. Yeah. When really they're what they were probably doing was they were trying to like build workers' rights and opportunities and, you know, keep people fed and taken care of. But I, I, I don't know, digress. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, yeah, let's go to the next Probably one. Probably like at 50 minutes in already. Uh, you're getting there for 45 minutes. All right. Um, Ooh. You shall not take the Lord, take the name. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Um, My God. What? <laughs> Oops, did I just um, say that? No. You know what this means to me more than than um just like the name. Okay. So Jewish culture did I can't really go into all that because I'll take too long, but Jewish culture would not say the name of God. Like you you literally weren't allowed to say it. Mm-hmm. Um however, there are people that would argue that when you breathe in and you breathe out, you are saying the name of God. Um, it, it, there, there's people that would argue that the name of God, what happens when you come in the name of something that I come in the name of, uh, King such and such and King such and such declares. So what you're doing is you are standing, uh, on there on behalf of, um, that person. And that doesn't dictate what you're saying. What that dictates is your behavior because um, a, a person who's there on behalf of a king, this is very much like kingly um, language. I mean, as is everything that's going to be in this covenant because that's what they essentially mm-hmm. asked for. This is the same thing that, you know, when uh, Persia would have came in and conquered a place, they would have built a covenant with the uh if they surrendered they would have built a covenant if they didn't surrender they'd kill everybody and the survivors would have to agree to a covenant um so that's what they said they wanted they wanted a covenant like they had with mm-hmm. egypt um so uh, yeah i like i said i think i think it has to do a lot more with character honor respect dignity instead about, of just like, saying what about speaking god. for god on behalf of God, yeah, that that could be that'd be a good way to look at that too. I mean, it's it says I mean, Jesus like I'm Christ, reading. There's a lot of people that speak I'm on reading, behalf of God vainly. Yeah, like pretty much everybody. Um, and it's I I always find it 
kind of funny that, you know, God happens to think just like you do. Um, rarely does somebody ever say, you know, well, God thinks this, but I disagree. I, I think this instead. Um, God just conveniently always seems to agree with everybody who speaks on behalf of him. Um, but then God contradicts himself quite a bit because they all say very contradictory things on behalf of Oh, them. yeah. Yeah, the, the Bible and the people in the Bible contradict themselves and each other and God and all of it, all the time. It's, very, it's a very uh, strange, complex book that's I mean, very I'd, paradoxical. I'd, and, I'd, not even being Christian, of course, I'm never going to try to speak for God or claim what God wants. I'm, I'm going to basically use whatever is at my disposal you know, to determine what's good and what's not. And advocate for that using, you know, good reasoning. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't see any use in you know appealing to God as an authority to try to convince people that they should do something. Um, which yeah. maybe that's kind of what this is trying to work against. I don't know. Um, I've actually never thought of it that way till just you know as you were talking. It's it's really interesting when when you start to dig into a, a text like that. Like it's. It seems very straightforward, and that's what we've always been told, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, that would you put would a lot just of say pastors words. on the hot seat there. <laughs> yeah, and you would—the uh, other thing is, is um, if we speak on uh, behalf of God, then, and, and, um, and we claim we know God's name, we claim we know God's character, we claim we know what and who God is. And right. so— you know that's that can mean a lot of things. What did the name of God mean? I mean, it was the I am, this the the self existent, the self realized one. I mean, it, I think there may be a lot of different ways we can uh, try to interpret or think about that idea, contemplate on the idea of like what the I am is supposed to be, or is, or represent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a big hmm. one, man. I, I, I fall back on John. God is love. But uh, anyway, yeah, let's hit the next one. It'll probably okay. be the last one. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Uh, what is the next one? Um, oh, the Sabbath. Oh, yeah. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. Your God in it shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female. Yeah, yeah. It was, nor your stranger. Okay. Nor here's, in your town. Th- yeah. For six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Yeah. And it goes back to that tradition of the, right. um, the you know, the Genesis creation. Um, man, the Sabbath. Um, well, that's the really big one. Uh, really, I mean, that's the one that there are groups that believe that the re- that the Jewish people failing to keep the Sabbath is why the Messiah hasn't come. There are people that believe, I mean, that's, you know. But is that really the spirit of the commandment? Like- uh, the, the spirit of the commandment seems like this is designing the economy. This is designing how this nation is going to function economically. Like to the seventh me, the, day work week. 
I I feel like it just reading it at at face value it almost seems like it's you know the spirit of that commandment is such that people shouldn't require more than 6 days of work and that you shouldn't require that of yourself not that you should absolutely obey it or else like, you know, the, the way that people took that to such an extreme, you know, that if you did any kind of anything on, on the Sabbath, um, then, you know, you're, you're at guilt. But really, it, it, should, it, should that not be like an excuse to have a break? Mm-hmm. Uh, which way do you want me to take this? Do you want me to take this the uh, modern megachurch self-help route? Hmm. Or do you want me to take this the ultra fundamental route? You get to choose. What do you think the original intent was? Man, I have no idea. This is a thing. Like, you could ask rabbis who've studied this stuff their whole lives. Books, uh, books on books on books on books. You know they memorize this stuff and they sing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like you could ask them, and they like you can ask a hundred different Jewish people what how to keep the Sabbath, and they will all probably tell you differently. True, uh, because I mean, and that's what the 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 that tradition argued about i mean they all debated about what was permissible and what was not because some of the things that weren't like people were ready to kill each other over right huh, it's weird man i think right. the whole point well, is even to rest. jesus technically did work on the sabbath when he healed a person oh yeah he well broke oh, it, oh, so well and he also that him and his dudes um picked grain and ate it you know like yeah. and he so got I, in trouble over that so and i mean I, if if you're if you kind of take it into that context you know it to me it's more it's of gotta a, mean something different it, yeah it's gotta <laughs> mean you know don't enforce that people have to work seven days a week um you know as probably well they're your, coming out of they were coming out of slave labor so this right. is probably a uh a, a, you know a leg up but who knows and, we can, and we i can, mean Given that, you know, the Danish people really have it because, you know, here we've got a two day uh, uh, weekend and then uh, what is it like a 32 hour work week is standard in um, uh, it. I think it's I think that's the case in Denmark, I believe. Yeah. That's legit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like but uh, work life balance, man. <laughs> yeah. I think really what this is getting at is, yeah, like don't waste your whole life on work. Rest. Learn to to rest, because that's what the day is meant to be. It's the day of rest, right? Uh, the the Christians like to say it's not important what day you do the Sabbath on; it's that you do Sabbath, right? Uh, and that's debatable. I mean, you've got whole do, uh, denominations that are hung up on this as well in Christianity. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I think it's trying to say routine is good, but you know I mean, don't over overdo it. I don't really have a problem with this commandment as long as it's not you know got any kind of a deeper meaning beyond that, like um, you know any reason for that other than just that people 
only have so many, you know, means. They they can't continuously work forever uh, without burning out. Um, right. I mean, that just seems like common common knowledge to me. But and I guess it would be relevant if you were coming right out of slavery. Hmm. All right, I think we got time for one more. You think we can bust out the sure, next one? Sure, why not? It's why a not? pretty sim- it's a pretty simple one. Maybe. Okay. Ooh, Honor ooh, your maybe. father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. I have a question. Yes. If you have abusive parents. Yeah, right? I mean, that's that's really the the main that's going to be the main um context breaker of this I mean, guy. Generally <laughs> assuming assuming that you have you know, well-intentioned parents, then yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, honor them. Although that's not always the, I mean, parents aren't perfect. Um, I think a good parent would even go so far as to try to be reasonable. And if, you know, their kid brings up a valid critique of their parenting, be considerate, considerate of that. You know, if you're being unreasonable or moody one day and you bark at your kid and they call you out on it maybe you should actually take that to heart um right i mean that maybe that could be a form of honoring them you know trying to help them yeah Uh, and and, you know we're we're reading this where um i mean the oldest i think some of the oldest forms of this text that we have come from the you know the, the first century and uh that can mean a lot of things in an honor shame society. Yeah. You know, there are all kinds of honor shame customs involved. And so um that's probably a big part of it. The other thing is, you know, um uh I think uh us uh, us our our Christian nation. I think our Christian nation might want to go back and look at this one considering how many people we have in nursing homes and um stuff like that and i mean i i'm oh they're fine god will take care of them Uh, you don't have to worry we Um, we love to do that with old people in society nowadays we just throw them in homes and many people i mean it's a big it's a big burden to carry but um Culturally, that's changed radically here. I mean, we, I mean, people don't even know how to do that now. And I mean, on the other hand, uh, you know, people stay alive for so long. The, you know, like if I wanted to care for my grandmother, she's in a nursing home. Yeah. Um, if I wanted to care for her, there would have to be a person, essentially a, a full time, you know, worker with her at all times. Right. I mean, I, I think you and I are at, uh, kind of at the age that our parents aren't quite in nursing homes yet. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of them, um, you know, at, at our age are going to have some health conditions um, that should be considered, especially given right now um, with the, you know, a lot of talk around uh, the holidays and whether or not you should visit your family for the holidays. Yeah. Um, I know personally in my family, you know, my mom has uh, autoimmune deficiencies um, on my wife's side of the family. Her parents, you know, have diabetes and, and all sorts of other things that make them particularly susceptible to the effects of COVID-19. 
Um, and that's been something that I've really been seeing a lot of argument on Facebook, you know, recently, just with people saying things like, ah, take, you know, take some vitamin C and zinc and just visit your family. Um, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, don't let them tell you you can't do that. And I'm sitting here thinking, I respect their health. And, you know, I don't want to put my parents unnecessarily at risk um, because I do respect them. Um, I mean, that's literally somebody on Facebook uh, that I'm friends with uh, out of town in another state. Um, She posted on Facebook that she got to visit her grandmother in hospice who's battling COVID-19. And, um, you know, she said her grandma lit up her day. Uh, She said, you know, oh, hi, sweetie, when she saw her. And I don't even know if it was a day later when she updated her post and said she's passed. Um, That's really sobering. Uh That's. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird situation and it sucks. And I mean, trust me, my, my family, I sympathize with any, anybody and everybody who is not going to be able to see their loved ones. You know, my wife, is from Canada. We've not got to go uh, visit all year, right? And it's something we do every year. And uh, we were planning on having Canadian Thanksgiving with them, and it couldn't happen, you know. And right. Um. So I sympathize, and it's been hard on us, and and we miss them, and we love them all dearly. But uh, I mean, one, we can't go across the border. Two. Yeah. We yeah. probably shouldn't. Right. We probably shouldn't. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, just people need to, I, like, I don't want this experience of COVID to make me feel like, you know, uh, I don't want it to leave me in a mindset where I'm not learning anything from it. Right. You well, know, and, I feel and, like and something personal, you know, I feel like we've kind of learned a lot about people in society and how they function just based on how they're dealing with this particular problem. Because um, I've I've been told repeatedly, I'm not going to live my life in fear. You, you know, stop living your your life in fear. And that's not the motivation behind why I am trying to adhere to the social distancing guidelines and the mask wearing. Um, It's, it's actually the opposite. I'm not afraid for myself. Mm -hmm. It's out of respect for the people's health around me. So it, this is a very big, um, not just respecting your parents, but just respecting people in general. When Um, somebody says that, when somebody says that to you, this is what you say. You look at me and say, why did you get saved again? (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I feel like the very people who are, are claiming to have the moral high ground here and, and are living by, you know, the religion that contains these Ten Commandments um, aren't using the motivation that they're instructing. Um, yeah. It all comes down to abortion, man. They, they, will, <laughs> they will claim uh, that, that is the hill that they will always die on. Which and is the if they that, hold to that, if they stick to their guns on that, they're morally superior. Sounds That's like a good one for next feel. week because we're picking up on uh, the the murder. Damn, thou shalt not murder. Okay, well I set yeah. it up right there. 
You did. That's Good a transition deal. for next week. Part and three. Hopefully part three is coming. Good Lord. I, maybe I, I need to do some content for this. Nobody te- com- question, gave us questions on the whole hell thing, did they? We need to get some hell questions. Not hell questions. Satan questions. Satan questions. Satan questions. Satan questions. Um, I mean, how many questions are, are we? I'm, I'm looking questions. at the statistics, and we're we're getting viewers literally across the world. You know, there's there's uh, uh, several other countries now, uh, Philippines and Brazil. I think and, it's some neocons with the like a VPN <laughs> blocker. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, regardless, there listens. There, people are listening so, in various yeah. places and all across the United States. Um, even if they are using VPNs, somebody's listening somewhere. Right. Um, and if, if they're not asking questions, either you know we've already answered them just in our content, or right. Maybe they don't know what to ask. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We need to get like a straight up. Maybe on this last round, we can find like a straight up conservative Christian who uh, we can bounce this to a third head that can, that'll really butt up against it. Cause I, you know, yeah. like I don't take almost any of this stuff. Literally. I take it all to convey a deeper meaning that you have to like sit and meditate <laughs> and contemplate on. I, I think pretty much all of us uh, with this analyzed project have probably been a lot more conservative in the past and we've all shifted. Um, kind of away from that so yeah uh, we mm-hmm. i wouldn't mind having someone you know kind of play the other side of this argument because i'm um i'm just it's hard for me to do that from my perspective right i'm with you man well let's uh let's uh sign off here and we'll plan for that next week you don't want to miss uh part three um, all the big ones come up, all the ones that everyone says, well, I don't do this stuff, so I'm okay. Yep. The basic um, ones that, that the few that people actually remember. And these are kind of the, some of them are kind of like, just like universally. Yeah. That's not a good yeah. thing to do. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, basic it. ones. Right. right on. and yeah. Uh, aside from that, you know, if you do want to become a guest or, um, you know, uh, offer us a critique or a different perspective. Um, you can go to analyzepodcast.com, click on the uh, Become a Guest, or you can just email us at info at analyzepodcast.com. Um, by all means, if you would like to support the show and get access to uh, you know, when we do extended shows or exclusive content, um, you can go to our Patreon through our website. Just click on the Patreon link and you can subscribe there. It's only $5 a month and then you get all that access for when you know, we, we haven't done a whole lot of uh, exclusive content yet, but we're we're going to as we get yeah, more guests get on, on. Those conversations are definitely going to go longer than an hour or so. So we'll we'll uh, we'll have to push some of that into the uh, after show. Um, but you know, even even such, if you just want to support the show, um, we definitely appreciate that because it's not free to do. But uh, otherwise, um, you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Peace out.